This is the Maverick Minister Deranged Story of Jesus podcast series. Hi, I'm Mike Davis. And I'm Grace Smith. And we are both very excited about bringing you this unique, amusing, and often touching version of the story of Jesus' life and time on earth. While these podcasts are based on segments of the gospel writings of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they are designed to portray the story of Jesus in a way that is both contemporary and entertaining while maintaining the spiritual and historical integrity of the original writings. This is the third episode in the Jesus story, and it takes place after Jesus has returned from his time in the desert with Satan. In it, we will hear from a new character, Mary, the wife of Clophus, who is Jesus' aunt. Well, Grace, it's time to get this episode underway. So, what's next in the story? Well, after Jesus left the desert, he went back to Galilee, which is the area where he grew up. He went around the countryside and talked about God's love, healed some people who were sick, and taught in the Jewish synagogues, which are kind of like churches. And wherever he went, everybody thought he was great, and they liked him and what he had to say. Well, that sounds good. He was popular and successful. Well, yes and no. What do you mean? I mean, everything went well for a while, and then, when he went back to his hometown of Nazareth, things started to go in a negative direction. Oh, you are not going to say that he got involved in politics and had trouble with that Herod, Antipas, and Herodias, like John, are you? Oh, no, it was nothing like that. He got into trouble with the people in his own hometown. Seriously? I thought everybody in Galilee liked him. Maybe we should hear what happened from somebody who was there. Oh, good. I love when we have guest speakers. Shalom. It is so nice you should ask me here to speak with you about my nephew, Jesus. He was a very nice boy, but he was far too religious for his own good. Not that religion is a bad thing. It just has to be balanced with all of the other more important things in life for it to be really useful. And my nephew, uh, you might say he was kind of a fanatic. But Anshulik, I didn't even introduce myself. I'm Mary. Uh, there are a lot of Marys in this story, aren't there? I'm Mary, the wife of Clophus. Jesus' mother Mary is my sister-in-law. My husband Clophus is her brother. Now, I don't mean to be a yenta, but as much as I love my sister-in-law, I've never quite gotten over her premarital pregnancy. In fact, none of us in Nazareth are completely sure who Jesus' father really is. But we balanced all of that with the fact that they are both she and Joseph, lovely and good people, and we don't hold what might be in the past against either of them or Jesus. Just so you know, what happened to him in Nazareth had nothing to do with any kind of gossip. 
So what did happen to Jesus in Nazareth? Well, he was 30 years old and had kind of been working with his father in the carpentry business, but his heart was never in it. From the time he was a little boy, he had this fascination with anything that had to do with God. I mean, I remember when he was 12 years old, the whole family, and we were a big family. There must have been 25 or 30 of us. Well, that year as usual, we made our yearly visit to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And as always, we stayed for the full eight days. Everybody had a great time. Yes, it was religious, but there were a lot of things for the kids to do and we could just have the time to schmooze with each other. It was kind of a vacation. When it was over, we packed everybody up and started for home. Now, it was not unusual for the cousins and brothers and sisters to all travel together with each other instead of staying with their parents, especially when they're almost teenagers. Now understand that we are all very responsible, this family. We keep an eye on our children, but somehow, after the first day's travel, nobody could find Jesus. Well, of course, we were all beside ourselves with worry. Mary, my sister-in-law, was a basket case. She ran from tent to tent and where the animals were stabled, and she called his name over and over and over again. I can't say I blame her. I would have been doing the same thing if it was one of my boys. And while I was running around screaming his name, I would be planning how I was going to make his life miserable after I found him. When it was clear that Jesus was not with us, Mary insisted that she and Joseph go right back to Jerusalem that night. Well, you couldn't really make it back in one night, and it isn't safe to travel those roads in the dark. It's a full day's travel, even in the light. So we convinced her that it was best for all of us to go back early in the morning. After all, we had lots of people who could look for him when we got to Jerusalem. And that's just what we did. After first light, we packed everything up, skipped breakfast, and went as fast as we could back to Jerusalem. We got there quicker than even we expected. We started to plan how we would all look for him in the different parts of the city the next morning. At sunrise the next day, we all got up to search, but Joseph told us to wait while he went to look for Jesus in the temple first. He said that Jesus always seemed to go there whenever he came to the festival. He had told Joseph that the temple made him feel at home. The temple made him feel at home? 
That place gave me the spilkes. I never even want to go into any part of it. But Joseph, Mary, Clovis, and I left everybody near the gate of the tribes, and we went into the temple. As usual, since Mary and I are women, we had to wait outside where the men gathered and wondered what was going on. Our husbands were in there for about 30 minutes, and when they came out, Jesus was with them. Mary ran up to him, hugged him close, kissed him on the face and forehead, and then she grabbed him by the shoulders and said, What is the matter with you? Why did you disappear and cause us all to worry like this? We thought something terrible had happened to you. We've been looking everywhere. How could you do this to us? To tell you the truth, I thought she was handling the situation very well. Jewish mother guilt is a very useful tool for raising children, and I thought for sure that he would feel terrible, be sincerely apologetic, and maybe even cry for causing his mother such grief. I would have expected at least that from my own children. But Jesus didn't look like he felt terrible or apologetic at all. In fact, he answered with more chutzpah than any 12-year-old has a right to. He said to his mother, why did you have to search for me? Didn't you know I would be in my father's house? Well, she didn't smack him. I would have, but she grabbed him by the ear and marched him back to where everyone was waiting, and we all started for Nazareth again. Needless to say, he was not allowed to travel with anybody except his parents for the rest of that trip. But I guess I got a little sidetracked, didn't I? That's not really what you wanted to hear about from me. Now, is it where worry? Oh, yes. We were talking about what happened with Jesus in Nazareth when he was 30 years old. Okay, let me remember. He had stopped working in the carpentry shop with his father and left town. It seems like he was away for quite a number of weeks or maybe even several months. I just know it seemed like a long time. Just before he came home, we had been hearing about this wonderful rabbi who was going around the countryside healing people from diseases, teaching and speaking in the synagogues. Some people even thought He might be a prophet. Everybody said he was amazing and he talked about a new and positive way of living and how to build loving relationships with God and other people. As I said, I'm not very religious, but I wanted very much to hear him. But he had never come to our synagogue here in Nazareth. Well, the next thing you know, we heard that he was coming on the next Shabbat. 
So we all made plans to go and hear him, and we hoped that we might even see him heal somebody. It was all so very exciting. So the day came for this wonderful rabbi, who was maybe a prophet, to be in our little synagogue. Clovis and I got there early so we could find a good seat. The place was completely full when the rabbi came in. I took one look at him and was totally shocked. He was no rabbi. He was no prophet. He was my nephew, Jesus. What a letdown. I was expecting a mention. What I got was... I'm not sure exactly what we got, but it wasn't what any of us expected. Not that he was a bad speaker. I was frankly amazed at how profound what he had to say was. But after all, we all knew him and his whole family. Who was he trying to impress? We had watched him grow up in this town. We knew he never went to rabbi school or really studied the Torah. He didn't even have any great healings in our town. The Jesus we knew was only trained to be a carpenter. Oh, people were nice enough to him, though when he spoke, nobody took him seriously. That was until the second time he spoke in the synagogue. It was clear that he was a little bit miffed when he came in. About halfway through the service, he told everybody that no prophet was appreciated in his own hometown and he wasn't appreciated here. And he said he was wasting his time with us. Then he said that talking to Gentiles about God's love would be more worthwhile than talking to us. Even I thought that was pretty harsh. And that was when things turned ugly. The big group of the very religious men stood up and started shouting at him. Then they grabbed him and dragged him out of the synagogue toward the cliff. I think they were going to throw him off. But he jerked himself free and just walked away and left town. It's very sad for my sister-in-law. He never came home again. So that's what happened. Thanks so much for having me tell you about it. I love to talk. Mazel tov. Shalom. Mazel tov. What does that mean? It literally means, may you have good luck. But it can also mean congratulations. It's said mostly at Jewish weddings and bar and bat mitzvahs. But it also can be said whenever you want to say something nice to someone. Oh, well, mazel tov to you. And also to you. Does that mean we're at the end of this episode? Pretty much.
We just need to let everybody know that there are many more episodes to come in the Deranged Story of Jesus series, and there are a lot more of the people in the story for us yet to meet. I think you just did that. I think you're right. Well, then, to all of you, thanks for listening, and mazel tov. Mazel tov. Shalom. Shalom.